Um, so like I said, I'm Nate. I'm on staff here with Chi Alpha, um, and we're super glad you're here. Um, if you haven't been here, we've been doing a series in Ephesians called Waging War. Um, but we're going to step out of that a little bit tonight, um, and we're going to focus on singleness, dating, and marriage is the focus of our tonight. Um, so before we get started, I just want to say a few things. Um, I know that this is probably a pretty personal topic. Our culture says a lot about dating and relationships. Movies, TV shows, books, social media, a lot of things in our culture would tell us that um, no one has the right to tell us who or how to date, right? Um, that it's a very personal and a very private thing um, that no one else has the right to speak into. Um, and I had that very same thought um, before I came to college. And I lived that way. Um, and so I went about my dating relationships um, with all the n knowledge and understanding that I had, which came from movies and TV shows and books and social media. Um, and, I, and I ended up being a very feeling-motivated person in my relationships. Um, and that led to a lot of... There's a, there's a um, Leon Bridges song that says, If it feels good, then it must be bad. I'm with the one you. It's, it's a really... Thank you. It's a really great song. It's a fun song. But it's also very in line with, our with what our culture says about relationships. If it feels good, then it must be, right? Um, and so when I got to college and my core leader started um, challenging me in my assumptions about relationships, how I was doing relationships, um, he started pointing out scripture to me um, and saying, like, hey, this is what Jesus says. Like, what, what do you think he says about how you're doing this, how you're, how you're dating um, your girlfriend who isn't a Christian and doesn't have the values that you have or the purpose that you have. Um, what do you think Jesus has to say about that? Um, what do you think Jesus has to say about you um, fooling around with your girlfriend and um, getting physical before marriage? Um, what do you think Jesus has to say with that? And so um, I was, <laughs> was very like, I put up a bunch of walls and was like, whoa, no, 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 no. My culture says that you have no right to tell me how to date. Um, but it wasn't my core leader telling me how to date. It was Jesus wanting to speak into my life and how I do relationships because he wants me to do it well. Um, and the more, so at the same time as I was putting up all these walls, I was also getting to know Jesus a lot more. Um, I was getting closer to him. I was learning more about how he loves me. Um, and guys, he loves me. He loves me a lot. Um, yeah, and he cares a lot about me. He created me. He created me with a purpose, um, and that purpose is to be his image bearer to the world. We talked about that a lot this fir the first quarter um, and, and a little bit this quarter, that we are the, we're created to be image bearers of God. What does that mean? We're supposed to um, look like God and, and show him to the people around us so that people are, are drawn to him. Um, and so in order to do that, Jesus calls me, to literally give up my whole life um, because he's supposed to be more important to me than anything else in my life, right? Um, and, and so if he calls me to give up everything else in my life, wouldn't it make sense that he, he would call me to give up the most important human relationship in my life, that he would have some things to say about how I do that? Um, so 
Uh, there's a really cool verse in John 10.10 10 that talks about God's love. And it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love this verse. Life to the full. I want that, right? Um, and we get that when we live in relationship with um, and in obedience to Jesus. Because he, he created us. He, he knows what our purpose is. He designed our purpose. Um, and, and so he designed how we live in relationship with him to fil- fulfill that purpose, right? And that, that has um, to do with every aspect of our life, including dating. Um, so so the, longer that, um, the longer that I've followed Jesus, the more I've realized that this is true, um, that I can have life and life to the full. Um, living with God and how he asks me to live truly is a life full of more joy, more freedom, and more love than I ever would have imagined. So if you, like me, have doubts about whether or not God should have any say in your relationship, then I pray that you would come to see how much God cares and loves for you um, and come to the same realizations that I did. One, that God cares about every area of your life. And two, that the Bible is God's word to his people to learn about him, his character, how he interacts with humans, um, and how he wants us to interact with each other. Did you know God cares deeply about your relationships? He cares a ton about how we as humans live our lives. Um, Tonight, we're going to have a panel of people who have lived a lot of life collectively. Um, People who have been single, they've been engaged, and are now married. um, And they will share scripture with us about what God says about about our love lives and how he would like us to live. They're going to share tips on how to try to have godly relationships. Um, And, of course, we've all failed and not done that perfectly, so they might also share about that, too. Um, And with you, if you've been with us in our message series about Ephesians, um, it's called Waging War. Um, And you've heard that not only is there a God, but there is a devil who wars against God and against us humans. Um, And Satan wants to deceive us and make us live selfishly and not in true caring love of others. Um, So if you've ever wondered what does God have to say about romantic relationships, sex, and marriage, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We by no means will be able to cover all of the questions, um, but think of this as a diving board. We hope that tonight will spur your thoughts and questions um, and that you'll come to your core leaders and to us staff with questions. Have these conversations. Um, and as we talk, I also want you to dwell on another verse, Romans eight thirty-seven through 39. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if tonight you feel you have not done things perfectly, that's okay. God still loves you deeply, no matter where you're at. And I hope tonight will be a moment where all of us can be encouraged in the ways that we have failed or not done our best to get back up, talk to God, and try again to live lives that he would say to us, well done, 
and that we can say as we follow him and obey the things he says for us to do in our singleness and in our relationships, Jesus truly has given me life and life to the full. So I'm going to introduce or I'm going to invite our panelists up. So panelists, will you come up, please? Let's give them a hand as they come up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we love these guys a lot. Make sure I'm not on your cord. Okay. Um, so each of the panelists, um, you're going to introduce yourself and give us just a very brief background to your singleness, dating, marriage. Okay, what's up, Kai Alpha? My name is Brandon Davis. Woo! Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So I had a couple relationships off and on since I was about 14 and all the way up till now. And not really like boyfriend, girlfriend in high school. They were kind of like flings. And then uh, I started seriously dating my now wife, Meredith, when I was a going to be a senior in college. And then we got engaged and married in July of 2018. So it's been about a year and a half now that we've been married. Woo! And my name is Meredith. I was just up here, but hi again. Uh, <laughs> And I uh, was single all the way up until I met Brandon uh, when I was 24. And then we started dating and got married, like he said. So, yeah. Hello. My name is Marissa Barkey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I did not date at all before coming to Central. Um, and then I had, like two not very healthy or Christian relationships. Um, and then after that, I was single for a little bit again. And then I started dating my husband, Ethan. Um, we dated for two years before we got engaged. And then we got married in July. So we were married for like six months. My name is Michael Mowry, and I'm a 70s sort of guy. And... We believed in a lot of uh, free love and free drugs, and I made a lot of mistakes and dated a lot of people in a way that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. And then I got uh, into a relationship with Jesus, and things started getting better. I dated um, two Christian girls very seriously, and then the third time worked, and I got Carol. Thank you, panel. Um, so we... We're going to have three sections for our questions tonight. Um, I'm just going to stand. Um, three questions. So sing singleness, dating, and then marriage. That'll be like the theme of our questions. Um, so panelists, are you ready? Oh, what a servant. Love this guy. Um, you guys ready? Panelists, you ready? You guys ready? Yeah. Let's get into it. Um, so panelists, uh, how, how do I know when I'm ready to date or for a relationship? Oh, and we're going to have just two panelists ask, answer each question. Don't be shy. Okay, so I'm going to go first, because yep. um, no one else seemed like they wanted to. <laughs> um, so how do you know when you're ready for a relationship? I think 
there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, and I think being ready for dating and being ready for a relationship sometimes can be kind of combined into one. Um, going on a first date is not the same thing as going and being in a relationship. But you that's kind of the precursor. So you should probably be a little bit ready when you go on a first date. Um, but I think a big thing is when you're like totally content in being single. Um, and that's not like, oh, I don't want to date. I don't care about that. Um, you can still have a desire, but if you're content and you're okay with your life as, as a single person, uh, you, you're okay with whatever God's plan is for your life, even if that means being single for the rest of your life. Um, something that was really hard for me was if, if I was single forever and I never got married and I never had a boyfriend, would I be okay with just me and God? Um, and when I could say yes, and I wasn't just saying yes to say yes and be like, that's what God wants me to say, so I'm going to say it. But when I was genuinely okay with it, then I was like, oh, okay, maybe now I'm at a place where I could bring another person in and get to know them healthily. Um, and I think also a good part of that is um, talking to a mentor, talking to your facilitator. Um, before I dated Ethan, I, t oh, I talked to Leanne. My mentor. Yeah. You can finish, Phoebe. Yeah. So I, me and Ethan both talked to our facilitators before we started dating. Um, and I wanted to make sure, does she think I'm in the right place? Um, and when she said, yeah, go for it, I was like, oh, okay. She knows me pretty well. That's great. Good job. We're going to move on in the to the next question. Um, how do I balance being satisfied in Christ and being single? So what, what you're talking about a little bit. Um, and how do I love God more and put him first before my future girlfriend or boyfriend? Let's kind of go together. Yeah, I think the, I want to just kind of dive into that question. It says, how do I balance being satisfied in Christ and being single? So it's almost like putting a barrier between being satisfied in Christ and also being single and like what Marissa just said, like, there is totally contentment in singleness with Christ. And this question is kind of posed in a way where it's, it seems like there's not that. So I just want to say, like, there is satisfaction in Christ in a single celibate life and in singleness as well. Does anyone just want to answer the second part of that question? I can. Um, so the second part was, how do I love God more and put him before my first or put him first before my future boyfriend and girlfriend um and i'd say like one thing like while you're single that is like a fantastic spot to learn to put god first in your life um and so i don't think you have to like wait until you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend i'd say like learn to put the lord first in your life like while you are single um, and that's like the best spot to learn that. And so um, some practical ways of doing that is like, you know, ask yourself, like, what are you prioritizing right now in your life? You know, are you prioritizing uh, spending time with the Lord in the morning or evening or whenever you do it? Like, are you doing your God times? Are you involved in Chi Alpha? Do you go to core consistently? Uh, do you go to church? Like, what things are you putting first in your life? And I think that will translate really well to when you do have a boyfriend or girlfriend one day.
Hey, I, I think some really great scriptures you might want to jot down and kind of keep in mind as we're exploring singleness and dating and marriages. Uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors, you love yourself. I think when we're really growing in love with the Lord as priority, and when we're loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, which means we also have to love ourselves. So check if you're not loving yourself, then you're probably not all that ready to date. You want to be able to have the right view of yourself in the Lord. I think another good text is um, Mark 8, 34 through 38. Um, this is all about do you want to follow Jesus or not? Jesus said, if anybody does want to follow me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. Um, if anybody wants to save their life or have their life their way, I guess is the modern way we translate it, uh, they will lose their life. But if anybody loses their life for me and for the gospel, they will save it. And so I think when we're on that track of going that direction, we are really safe. We're getting healthy, and we're ready to move into those kind of relationships where love is really the center of the thing. That's good. Um, so this next question is is a little bit more about, uh, it says, is the full life of cel celibacy biblical? Celibla celibacy is um, singleness without sex, right? So is, am I living the full human experience and my full purpose if I don't get married? What does the Bible have to say about that? Well, if we are looking to our king, Jesus modeled a perfect life in full obedience to the Father, and Jesus was single and celibate his whole life. So then we got to look at it and we go, okay, so then what wouldn't be biblical? And I think the, the area when we get, where it gets nervous is when we tell God what our relationship is going to look like or what our future in relationships is going to look like when we say, like, all right, God, like, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. Like, I just have that authority over my life. Or, Lord, I'm going to start dating now. Or, I'm going to get married here. It's when we start to, like, we're our own authority in this relationship. And, like, this area of our life, the Lord is the one that wants to have a say in that. So I think that's where it can get dangerous and unbiblical is when we're telling the Lord our own plan. Yeah, as w we just mentioned, uh, Jesus was fully satisfied. If the safest place on earth is to be in the center of God's will, and all of us are going to be single probably at least twice in our life, up until the time we're, we're married, and then when our spouse dies, there's just going to be times where that is God's perfect will for us. We need to embrace it and live fully in those times. And if God calls you to live single uh, for a lifetime, then live fully. Um, how do I deal with those feelings, though, of the, the desire to be in a relationship, the desire to have that intimacy and in romantic in a romantic way? Yeah, I think I'd say, like, 
that desire, like having that desire, um, is a great desire to have. Like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and you know, the Lord is the one who created you, and if He like created you with the desire to get married, like that's a, like that's a really good thing, and that's like something from Him. And so I think if like you, you are a single person, and like you do really desire that, know that like the Lord sees your heart, and like that, that like that's something that He has like given you as a desire. And so, know that He sees you. Um. And I'd also say, like, I think when you're single, it's hard to know, like, where to focus or, like, like what do I do in this time? Um, and one time I remember Melissa told me, like, well, while I was single, uh, is to focus on becoming a marriageable person. So I think a lot of time we put a lot of energy into thinking, like, okay, who am I going to marry? How am I going to find them? Like, what am I doing that is, like, I don't know, going <laughs> to, like, make me find someone? Um, but I think it's just so much more helpful to focus on, like, okay, how do I become marriageable? Like, how does the Lord want me to grow in this season so that one day I am a marriageable person? Anybody else? Okay. Um, <coughs> uh, what qualities do girls want in a man? What qualities do they hate? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so when I was thinking about this, obviously not all girls want the same thing in a man, um, but I think that there are kind of some underlying similarities that girls... Jordan Ball did this. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, I mean, looking at my husband, that's not true. <laughs> so just... I just listed a couple of things that I thought were, like, pretty common, or, I mean, maybe this is just what I wanted. Um, so I'm just going to go straight into the list. Maturity, tenderness, <laughs> kindness, selflessness. Um, I like it when men take initiative in situations um, and pursue me or pursue what they want. Um, has good relationships or friendships with other men. Um Respectful and sensitive. That's, that's good. <laughs> I went uh, like way, way broad because um, I also agreed that everyone is different. And I just came up with like two main things that I could think of. And the first one is someone who just like loves the Lord so much and is like sold out to following him. So not someone who like just goes to church because like I want him to, but someone who actually has a relationship with the Lord and is following him with his whole heart. Um, and then number two is I put down someone who's responsible. Um, so responsible, like financially responsible in school, he's responsible as a hard worker. And even like stuff like self-care, like can he take care of himself, you know, does he shower? Stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's make you that, did, did, let's that. make that guys for girls too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So let's have one of you answer. What do you look for in a woman? I think I started off with kind of a not biblical list when I was younger. I mean, I wanted somebody with long blonde hair, blue eyes, and kissed like a wild thing. Um, of course, I did get that, uh, but but I, I have matured thing? since then. Uh, I think guys ought to be looking for somebody 
who genuinely finds their security in Jesus and their significance in Jesus and, and is not trying to find it in other people, especially in the man or in their work or somewhere else. I want somebody who's strong in the Lord. Yeah. And I want somebody who has convictions that they live by and stick with them. Yeah, I'll go real quick. Um, yeah, I found it so attractive in Meredith that she didn't, like, look to me to be, like, her fulfill- like fulfillment in life. Like, she was already so content in Christ. That was, like, so attractive to me. It di- I didn't feel this, like, pressure of, like, I, ha- I have to be, like, the best thing going in her life. She was like, dude, I already got the king. <laughs> like, I already have Jesus. I'm and that was so attractive to me. And, uh, yeah, and God, guys, God is just so good. Like, there was just, there's so many things about Meredith that I've discovered through just even being, like, married. And I'm just in awe of the Lord. Like, oh, my gosh, he gave me the perfect woman for me. So, I love her. There's, honestly, there's just things that the Lord revealed that I didn't even know at the time. I was just a foolish boy. Yeah. Um, That was great, guys. Um, So, this question is, should we date Catholic guys or Catholic girls? But but let's, like, broaden that um, to, let's talk about that specifically. But then let's broaden it to, um, does God want us to date someone who is not a Christian or doesn't share the same faith? This is a little bit sensitive, I think. And we need to answer this question with a great deal of respect and honor and and care. I think you should definitely date a Catholic guy or a Catholic girl um, if their doctrine is biblical. Not all Catholics or anybody of any Christian form has good doctrine. Okay? And not all of them who say they are a Christ follower are. You, if you're looking for somebody to be a Christian and that your low bar is they say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, no. <laughs> Do they live wholeheartedly for Jesus? And in their actions, you can see it. They worship with all their heart. They are in the word. They are talking about Jesus. They are praying. That kind of a thing. If you've got a Catholic that does that, yeah. Now, those of you who have read Vatican II know that they have some different beliefs than uh, a standard Protestant. And like, uh, for example, one of them, uh, the veneration of Mary, when it moves from veneration to worship, then they'd be outside of biblical norm. And so you'd need to find out if your Catholic guy or gal is worshiping Mary and praying to her. Then I think they would step outside of the biblical warrant of what they ought to be doing okay can someone else talk to uh just in general uh differences in in faith and why why does jesus say that that's um so that you're asking uh like if someone isn't like of the christian faith like is it okay yeah okay yeah yeah um yeah, I think this is a, a sensitive question too, and I think um the Bible is very clear that it is very important to date someone who is also a believer. Um 
it talks about, there's like a couple of verses, but the one that I came up with is 2 Corinthians 6, 14, uh, to the end of the chapter. It talks about uh, not being unequally yoked, which essentially means like you, you want to be in a relationship with someone where you are both moving toward like the same goal, where you're both, um, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, your entire goal in life is to glorify the Lord and to love him and serve him like with your whole life. And if you're in a relationship with someone who uh, is, that is not their goal, you guys are going to be moving in opposite directions. And so, uh, yeah, the Bible, the Bible is really clear that we need to be in a relationship uh, with someone who is also following the Lord with their whole heart. And uh, to not do that isn't to follow the Lord's will. Nate, could I give one more verse? Yeah, please. I think the clearest verse that I've ever found that answers uh, this question, you know, should you date or, or marry a non-Christian, is 1 Corinthians uh, 7.39. This is an interesting case. Um, it says, a woman is bound to her husband as long as she lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. She is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. So, again, it's the case of, of somebody who's now a widower, but doesn't that apply to a singler? That's good. <laughs> singler. Um, let's talk. So this is the last one in our singleness uh, section. What does the Bible have to say about lust? Um, is that is lust an issue at all? Uh, Matthew 5, 27 through 30, says, Jesus is talking, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, or a man lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Serious scripture. <coughs> so Jesus says that lusting is the same as committing adultery when we look at someone lustfully. And he says that we need to take really drastic measures. He's not saying literally gouge your eye out, literally chop your hand off. He's giving a, like a good metaphor of we need to aggressively attack lust because it's very destructive and it's not of him. Uh, Colossians 3.5. Are you guys writing these down? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.5. 1 John 2.6. I'll just read uh, Colossians 3.5. Again, this is strong language about this lust business. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust. I'm, I'm going to add on to this one real quick. Um, any, any like lust or lust specifically, but any sin you come into a relationship with, isn't going to go away because you're in a relationship or because you get married. Um, and in fact, it's going to cause a lot of problems in your relationship and in your marriage and a lot of pain. 
Um, so take take care of that. Cut that out of your life in singleness. And then I just want to add really fast. Um, I think sometimes in the Christian culture, we can think of lust as like a guy's problem. Uh, and I just want to say like it is also very much a girl's problem. Um, typically, I think when we think of lust, we think of like maybe like visually like lusting after someone. But like, I think it's important to realize that you can emotionally lust after people too. And I think that's a lot of times what girls do. So if you think about uh, like watching chick flicks even and being like, wow, I like really want a guy that's like super mushy and like like the guy in this like chick flick. Um, I think we have to be careful that we aren't emotionally lusting after something that isn't real. That's good. Thanks, guys. Um, we're going to move on to dating. Um, and this question is, how much does God play a part in relationships? And I'm going to add how. Okay. So, God should play a huge part in relationships. Um, I think that a lot of times we tend to say like, okay, God, I'm going to give you my everything. Um, I mean, the Bible says like, take up your cross and follow Jesus. And we're like, I'll give you everything. Everything in my life is yours, except I'm kind of going to, you know, not consult you about my dating relationship. And, oh, I'm going to like not really take care of this sin issue. And it's like when you give God your whole life, your relationships go with it. Um, and you can't expect to have an, a marriage that honors God and a marriage that is like in God's design if you don't take any care during your dating relationship, during um, your engagement to put that into practice. Um, it's like you, you, your dating relationship is to set up your marriage. And if you go in, you're like, okay, well, now that I have the ring on my finger and now that I'm married, I'm going to make this one like God honoring. Like you, you've developed habits that aren't God honoring. You're not going to just like switch them off at the altar. Like it's just not going to happen that way. Uh, no, no. That how can someone answer the how? How do how do you bring God into your relationship? I think that's an important one. Yeah, I think uh, for me and for Meredith, what what one of the things that I did was honestly at every single um, turn in our relationship, at every single point, I was just inviting the Lord in in prayer. I remember so specifically we had gone on like two dates and the second one was really rough and <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to have bad dates. And, and I remember I was like, Oh, like, where's it going? And I remember I just said, okay, Lord, in this next one, like if it's not in your will that I'm with her, would you just, would you just make this one go really bad too? And just honestly, I was like, Lord, just spare my heart. Like, <laughs> can we just have honestly, like, could this next relation, maybe this next date just not go so well. And we had the best date that we'd ever had that next one i go okay we're gonna keep pursuing each other then like that's this is like a simple answer um just inviting the lord in i just want to ask that question that nate proposed again in the beginning do you think god cares about the most human the most important human relationship that you'll ever have i think god cares about that yes he does oh my gosh let his scripture be your authority uh seek the lord together also individually I'd say seek a core, like a facilitator, ask them for so much wisdom. Hey, like, how do you see me and my girlfriend? How, how, like, how's that going? Do you, do you have any, like, wisdom to give? Just, like, mm -hmm. seeking 
wisdom from our facilitators as well, inviting others to speak into our life because the Lord will speak through like our Christian leaders as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, this next one is about uh, boundaries. Um, and so I'd love to like talk about boundaries. Uh, how, do we, how do we establish boundaries of time um, and boundaries of like emotional boundaries and like maybe physical boundaries? Let's, let's touch on those. Proverbs 4, verse 23, um, probably needs to be memorized. It says, above all else, that seems important, doesn't it? Above all else, guard your heart, for from it is the wellspring of life. Um, now, Maoris, including me and my three boys, Maori boys give our hearts away just immediately. Oh, you looked at me? Here, let's get married. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Maori boys are stupid. Um, uh, Proverbs 4.23, <laughs> I made them memorize it when they were little boys because <laughs> I knew what I'd given them genetically. <laughs> uh, you have to guard your heart. Uh, I've met a few girls that they are fantasizing their wedding day the first time they're on a date. Okay. <laughs> Am I clear? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, time, a really simple one that I learned in a last dating panel from Dan and Becky Gunther's dating guide was the 50-50 principle, um, in which, you know, at least half of your time is spent not just the two of you. Um, you're not, you know, just you and your significant other always by yourself, you against the world, I'm not going to hang out with any of my other friends. No, those relationships are very important. Um, you know, asking people around you, ask your friends, hey, do you think I'm spending too much time with my significant other? And actually, you know, respect their answer. If they say yes, don't say, you know, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> if they say yes, there's probably a reason. Um, and then, you know, keep track of your time like a, a calendar like okay on Tuesday from this time to this time I sat with my significant other and we watched Netflix and I was in my room by myself and the door was closed and my roommates weren't home that's just a, a disaster waiting to happen um, stay in a place where you can be seen by others um, when Ethan and I were dating we didn't shut my bed like if we were hanging out in my bedroom because my roommates were all in the living room we left the door open like we didn't shut the door we didn't like if we it was just never an option um we spent most time in the living room um like we wouldn't we would hang out if my roommates were there um if we were we wouldn't be cuddling on the bed in the bedroom like we had specific boundaries and we like made sure not to cross like the small ones 
if you don't cross the small ones, like if you set up a lot of guards, if you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married, but that's all, like it's a slippery slope. And if you aren't like setting up these small guardrails to get before that, then like you don't really have any protection if you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to have sex before I'm married, but I can make out with my boyfriend in my bedroom with the door closed, and it's okay if we feel each other up, but we're not going to have sex. Like, you're just not setting yourself up well. You're not guarding your heart or your body well. I'll never forget the one-on-one I had with Michael. Do you mind holding the mic for me a bit real fast for my analogy? I remember uh, talking to Michael in a one-on-one, and this was like when Mary and I were dating, and Michael said, Sometimes there's like this is like the um the box of like everything that's like okay up to like marriage. So like singleness up to marriage and then like sex and stuff. And he's like, We like to get all the way up into that wall. We get as close as we can, but we don't break the wall. He's like, Whoa, we should like move the wall way over here and then this is like the war zone. He's like, We shouldn't even get close to over here. I mean, seriously, I mean, scripture talks about flee from sexual immorality. Jesus says, gouge your eye out, chop your hand off. Scripture says, like Ephesians says, there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality among you, for this is not proper for God's holy people. So scripture's being very clear. Let's not even put ourselves in a position where we could have any sort of sexual immorality with our significant other. I've heard some physical boundaries from students who, who have actually written physical boundaries because they wanted to be safe. One was um, keep your feet on the floor at all times. You know, don't get horizontal. Uh, keep your clothes on. Don't reach under the clothes. Things like that really help. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we all like hear, uh, hear and know like, okay, sex before marriage is wrong. Bible says that. Are there other any other like reasons can you that you guys can think of why it's it's wrong before marriage besides God says so? Is there intention behind that? I think it's helpful to hear that. Okay. So <laughs> huh. In all of our relationships, when we're single, when we're married, when we're single again, or we're single always, we are supposed to be modeling to the, to the non-Christian world the Trinity. All of our lives are lived in community. We don't live apart from the Christian community ever. And so the way we treat each other in the body of Christ is huge as others look at us and so when we're dating it's huge when they look at us or when we're married it's huge we're supposed to be modeling christ so jesus has like um sacrificial love and faithfulness and loyalty and when we can't keep our word and our boundaries we break trust we break faithfulness we don't model jesus So as a, I'm a sciencey person and a medical person. So a big thing, you know, 
apart from the, you know, God says don't have sex before you're married, so don't do it. It's in the Bible. Scientifically, when you have sex with someone, your brain releases chemicals and hormones that are meant to create bonding with that person. Um, so every time you're having sex with someone, you are bonding to that person. Um, it's physiological. You can't just turn it off. You can't be like, well, that's okay. Hooking up is fine. I'm not going to feel anything. I'm not going to catch feelings. You didn't catch feelings. You caught your body's response, um, to the situation. Um, uh, I worked for a doctor. Oh, I work for doctors, but the doctor I worked for when she was doing, you know, physical exams with a lot of the women, she'd talk to them about that. And she was a believer, but she knew that a lot of her, her patients weren't. And she would say, just imagine like colored construction paper and you're putting the colored construction paper together and then ripping it apart and expecting that none of the color is going to be stuck on the other page. Um, that's what happens when your body, you're bonding with that person. And that's, you know, that's awesome. God created us to have sex and be bonded to that person and sex creates and like maintains those bonds. But when you create and maintain those bonds with people you're not married to, then when you break those bonds, you know, by breaking up or um, whatnot, then you're just hurting yourself even more. You're hurting that person and that's not honoring to them by hurting them in that way and breaking that bond. And you're hurting yourself too. And so then when you go into your next relationship, you're damaged in that way. You're hurt from those past w relationships. And then you try and create another bond but you still have this broken bond that happened in your last relationship. Great. Thank you. Um, is a relationship redeemable if the couple has already had premarital sex? If so, how? And if not, why? Yeah. Um, I think that is like, one of the coolest parts about our God <laughs> is he is a God who forgives and heals, and he delights to do that. Um, yeah, I, I looked up a verse, um, 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 21. Uh, Brandon, could you actually just, like, read it? That'd be great. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, and so if you're someone who's here tonight or like if you know someone who like has had sex before marriage, know that like that isn't just like the end of the story. Like there is so much hope and so much like healing that can happen in the Lord. And that's like something he like wants to do. Like he loves you so much and um you know in that verse it says like you like are a new creation in Christ. Um and so know that, like, there is so much hope, so much healing that can happen. Um, and that, like, that is something that God wants to redeem. Two really encouraging verses for that. Because um, perhaps many of us in this room are in that boat. First uh, John 1, 9. Mm -hmm. If we confess our sins, 
he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and get this cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness that verse couples really well with isaiah 118 though our sins are as scarlet they will be white like snow Mm. restart Um, this one is, uh, how can you discern a good relationship from the relation relationship you are supposed to be in? Did you guys say that? How can you discern a good relationship from the relationship you're supposed to be in? AKA the one. Okay. I'm just going to break it down. (laughs) There is no such thing as the one. Um, I think that a lot of people are like, oh, no, like, that's so, like, there's no the one for me. Yes, and that's great because there's so many people in this world. (laughs) And, and like, what are the odds that your one person is in Ellensburg at the same time as you? Like, come on. But that's so encouraging. Um, There are a lot of people who could probably be a good fit for you. Um, You're not like, oh, shoot, this person broke up with me. They're my soulmate. Uh, what am I going to do? That's okay. There's probably someone else that you could have a really successful marriage with. Um, a relationship you are supposed to bring it, be in will bring you both closer to Christ. Um, and like Meredith said, your goals and ideals and your callings in life will align. Um, you know, if you are called, if you, when you're called onto the mission field and your spouse is like, no way, or like the person you're dating is like, absolutely not, no way, I'm not going to do that. Maybe they're not the one for you, or not the person you should be with. <laughs> there we go. But yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's do it. Let, we'll end the dating one with this one. Um, what dating advice would you give to someone who is single? I would say get to know yourself really well right now. Mm. I would say really ask the Lord to show you kind of like what makes you move. Like show me about like show me about me, Lord. I don't know. I love the Enneagram personality test. I love personality tests. Like, Lord, show me who I am. Let's go. I'm gonna grow in who I am. So I think like you're gonna you're gonna bless the person who you end up being with so much by understanding yourself right now understanding who i am finding your identity in christ asking the lord like how my parents influenced how i think about relationships um yeah what do i like just kind of really asking the lord to show yourself show you who you are i think we should all answer this question so my small contribution would be uh, ask yourself why do i want to date and really think it through Go back to some of the things I said earlier, like am I secure? Am I significant? Do I have my identity in Christ? You know, am I at a Matthew 6, 33, where I'm seeking first the kingdom of God? Um, You should be asking yourself the question, how should a person evaluate their readiness? You should be making your own list. You should be doing some serious thinking. And you should define the guidelines that you should use when you're dating. You should have all that in place before, uh, you know, you're kind of moving forward. 
Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to do very brief ones. One, I think, is um, being very intentional. Um, intentional in uh, your relationships with your friends, your intentionality in your relationship with Christ, and your intentionality in how you spend your time as a single person. And I think that when you begin dating someone, being intentional as well. Ask them on a date. Don't ask to hang out. Um, and I think another thing that Michael kind of built, uh, touched on was creating a non-negotiable list of these are the things that I will not negotiate on in my spouse. If you don't have one, then you're just kind of going to flounder around and, oh, well, they seem like a good person. Like, so why would you date a person that you couldn't marry? Answer, you should not. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they covered all the things I was going to say. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess what I would add is, like, if you go through all the things that they said and you check and you're like, okay, sweet, I'm, like, ready to date and um, I feel like I'm at a good place with the Lord. Um, so if you're single and you, like, do you, you do feel like you're ready to date and you do feel like the Lord is, like, giving you the thumbs up, um, I would say there's there's a lot of people who say, like, wow, I really want to be in a relationship, but they don't, like, do anything about it. And so I'd say, like, put yourself in a position where you could be in a relationship. So um, this is for advice in college, but then even, like, after college, say um, if you're single in a place where you're wanting to date, like, you know, be involved in a church, like, where you will have the opportunity to meet people. Um, you know, now be involved in Kyle where you have opportunity to meet people. Put yourself in scenarios where, like, you could have the opportunity to start a relationship. Those are great. Good job, guys. Um, what are wrong reasons to get married? My list includes because my parents want grandkids. <laughs> because I believe that that person will meet all my needs. Or I need to get away from my parents. Or so I don't have to work. Or to get a green card. Yeah, so um, I was going to say that I think in our society we have this idea that we need to meet someone who completes us, uh, so we need to meet like our other half, and I think that's actually like totally backwards. I think that one of the wrong reasons you can get married is to like meet someone who completes you. I think that what the Lord wants for us is for us to become like a whole person in him, a whole complete satisfied person in him. Uh, and then when we are in that healthy spot, then we are ready to think about being in a relationship or we are ready to get married. Um, but we don't get married to be completed. We need to be completed first. Yeah, that's good. I would also add, um, because uh, we've come this far or because we've been dating for this long or we've like had this relationship and we're so tightly wound um, there's never a point before marriage where, where you can cut it off if the Lord is really 
directing you to do that. Yes, even if you're at the altar. That's a little too late. God probably told you a lot of times <laughs> before that. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that would be not very honoring. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> let's move on. Okay, these, these questions are going to lump together, but it, uh, we're going to talk about sex in marriage. Um, so, like, one question is, how often should I be having sex when married? Um, what is not allowed in the marriage bed? Are biblical sex positions a thing? <laughs> Let's answer those. There's two couple more. Yeah, I'm going to go right into it. Um, <laughs> where I think we're all laughing because it's a little awkward, but it is so important to talk about sex in the church. Um, my husband's a little nervous back there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and answer them all in one go and really briefly. Um, so there is no, like, right amount of times to have sex when you're married. Um, it's up to you and your spouse. Um, the whole thing is you're communicating with your spouse. Um, the Bible does say, like, don't abstain from sex unless you know, there's some extenuating circumstance. I don't remember the exact verse, but I'm sure Michael knows it. Because um, <laughs> he, he's Michael. But, <laughs> but it's up to you and your spouse to communicate. I think this also involves, like, sex positions um, and, like, that kind of a thing. Um, it's up to what you feel comfortable with. And the whole purpose of sex is to love and honor the other person. You're the, whole p- the purpose of sex is not so that you have a good time or so that you, like, have an orgasm or something. It's not about you. It's about the other person. And in marriage, the great thing is the other person usually thinks the same thing as well. Um, so there are seasons in your life where you will not have sex as much. There are times of the year or times of the month where you will not have sex as much. Uh, but you always have to communicate, do you feel loved and honored right now? Does this make you feel uncomfortable? Like, do you like it or do you feel loved when I do X, Y, and Z? And you can say that at any point during the intercourse process. You don't just have to be like, oh, well, we already started, so we, we can't stop. Um, and if your, your spouse, if they really love you and care about you in the way God wants them to, they will be like, okay, like, I recognize that this is not making them feel honored and cherished and loved and not making them feel like they have dignity um, and like they are a child of God right now. Um, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so, yes. First Corinthians chapter 7. I, I really, um, I really like verse 2 because it, it says, each man should have sex with his wife. And each woman should have sex with her husband. Uh, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And the wife should fulfill her marital duty to the husband. And don't deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So keep having sex unless you need to pray. 
that that's definitely the male version. Um, but that's the stereotype, isn't it? Um, I've done a lot of pre-marriage um, instruction, and many times I've met women who want more sex than the man does that they're going to marry. It is all about communication. There's no such thing that men really want more sex than women. That is not true. What about uh, oral sex? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it goes ex- like back to what Marissa said. Um, I think that you need to communicate really well about like what is going to be loving to the other person and what makes someone feel honored. Um, and I think that'll vary a lot, like on a individual basis. And so you need to be communicating with your spouse of like, is that something that makes you feel loved and honored? Is that something that makes me feel loved and honored? Um, is this something like that we can do and? Gl- like feel like we're glorifying God um, through this act. So I don't think that there's like a yes or no answer to that one. I think it's you need to communicate with your spouse and you need to be, yeah, I think I think in uh, in our American culture, sex can get twisted to be very focused on taking um, and on like taking something and getting pleasure from someone. And I think whether you're talking about like regular sex or oral sex or like whatever, um, I- we need to flip that back around and make it biblical, make it, where we are focused on serving and like loving the other person and putting their needs above our own. Um, so I think it's just communicating about if, yeah, just communicate about that. Um, is marrying or dating someone of the same sex a sin or unbiblical? That is a significant question. And it deserves a full answer. Um, I think it would serve us best if we um, if we said that would be a great question to talk one-on-one with members of the panel or the staff or your facilitators so that a sensitive, long answer could be given, that scripture could be sought. Um, yeah, I think we have a great deal of sensitivity and compassion for that. I, for one... Um, uh, have a homosexual brother and I'm very uh, aware of all that and so I'd be glad to talk to anybody about those kind of questions great Um, what this will be our last question of the night Um, what was your biggest struggle with marriage and how did you overcome that I will speak on this one for me, the biggest struggle in marriage was overcoming this lie that once I get married, I don't really need to try as hard anymore. I think when we're like pursuing marriage, pursuing marriage, pursuing marriage, like marriage is the end-all be-all of, of our like relationship. Once you get married, there's like a hit of, oh, I did it. Oh, like she married me. Awesome. <laughs> and then it's like, what am I motivated by now? Uh-oh. <laughs> and so for me, it was like I found myself – not really trying that hard, still pursuing my wife. I found myself being like lazy and not really making that much of an effort. And it wasn't until I found Ephesians 2.10, 
which says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I remember my mentor was speaking to me and he said, the Lord has good works prepared in advance for you and Meredith that you alone will accomplish with him that only you two can. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I have everything to be motivated with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have everything to be motivated in to pursue her and just seek the Lord together. And what is, what is the good works that God has for us and for us only that we're going to accomplish with him? Yeah, I think one of the hardest things, was that the question, hardest things, uh, biggest struggles in marriage for me, is I think that there is this uh, idea that once you get married, you will automatically have a person there um, who, gosh, sorry, I'm trying to think how to phrase it, who's going to, like, be affirming you, desiring you, pursuing you, like, at all times. Um, and, right, because, like, that's, that's a lot of, like, at least what, like, I wanted as a female is to, like, be, like, desired and pursued um, pretty, like, consistently. Um, and I think that our society says, like, we can get a lot of, like, our value and identity from that. So, like, just get married, and so then, like, you will feel, like, valued and, like, pursued all the time. And, uh, well, like, yes, that's it's great to feel valued and pursued, but you can't get your, like, identity from there, even being married, um, you know. And so I think everyone goes through seasons and there's there's weeks where um like yeah you do have time to like go on dates and like yeah you do have a ton of time to spend like quality time together and um it's and it's great but then there's other times when like you know Brandon's really tired and like he had a bad day and he's grouchy and if I am like (laughs) you know he's a person it happens um and if I'm like trying to like feel uplifted or valued solely like from him that doesn't work and so I think something that I have been learning is, like, just continually to find my identity and my worth and my value from the Lord. Um, yeah, you, you have to always just find your identity in the Lord. It can't be from a boyfriend or even a spouse. Um, so I think that's just something I'm still learning. Um, yeah, so kind of like Meredith said, I'm still kind of in that process of overcoming. Um, I think the biggest struggle that I've, dealt with is expectations and not expectations that Ethan placed on me but expectations I placed on myself um, I noticed that I would get really hard on myself like if I cooked a meal and it didn't taste good like I'd be like oh my gosh I'm a wife I'm supposed to love my husband and serve my husband and I didn't cook a meal that tasted good and it, I had to throw it away and go get pizza like and it sounds just like so silly, but I was like, I would get so offended, like affected by that because I thought I was failing in my duty as a wife to like love and serve him. Um, or if I wasn't feeling well and like, I was like, oh my gosh, like we aren't having sex enough. Like, am I serving him and loving him enough? Like, am I being a good enough wife? Um, and I think it was like, I was putting these expectations of what I was supposed to do as a wife. Um, and I think the first step was to just, like, have a conversation with Ethan. Like, because, you know, if I started crying after cooking dinner and he said, well, what's going on? I said, well, nothing. Then like <laughs> he knew that wasn't true. And so, <laughs> so having a conversation with him about, you know, and having lots of conversations, not just, like, one conversation and then being like, 
I'm better. I feel great now. I'm a great wife. Like lots of conversations every time it came up and like uh, him like laying out like these are what my expectations are and none of them depended on me cooking him like food or like any of that. It was just like I want you to like point me to Christ and love me and encourage me and be there for me. Um, and I think it also helped me to have an action plan. Like this is going to be kind of personal, but like we would plan like, okay, on this day at this time, we will have sex. And it sounds silly and not romantic, but it helped. Cause then I was like, okay, well I'm not going to put pressure on myself. I don't have to be like thinking about it all day and like, okay, I want to do this, but do I feel okay? Like that kind of a thing. And just like allow myself to be, you know? For me, this is true, and I, I think most of you will find this is true, that when you get married, the little things will drive you nuts. <laughs> okay, so what drove me nuts for a number of years, I, I'm a little ashamed to say that it was a number of years, Carol likes to leave her shoes about. Because <laughs> when she wants to take them off, she just wants to take them off right there. Which, of course... A person ought to be able to do that. But me, in some sort of strange way of thinking, I thought shoes had a place. <laughs> and so what should I do? I knew as a godly man I should at least express my view. And so I got up my courage and said, Carol, you know, I really think shoes ought to, like, go in your closet. And she said, yes, I can see that point of view. And... <laughs> And, and I'll work on it. This puts Par Carol in a bad light. No, it puts her in a very normal light. Um, she still leaves her shoes out. Um, <laughs> but what happened is God worked in me to where I realized I just love having that girl around. If that requires shoes about, I just won't trip anymore. Let's, let's give our panelists a hand. Thanks, guys. Um, and the, the worship team can come up. Um, so remember, guys, if, if you have questions after tonight, please do not hesitate to ask to meet with any of our staff um, or talk with your mentor this week um, in your one-on-ones. Um, we're going to close with a few worship songs, uh, just a couple. Uh, but during this time, uh, please reflect on your notes or, or things that we have said tonight um, and ask the Lord what do you want me to apply to my life? What, what were you speaking directly to me tonight? Um, talk to him about it. Don't leave tonight without having prayed and talked to the Lord about um, the things he was sharing with you tonight. Okay, um, I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, thanks so much um, that you care so much, so deeply for us. Uh, Lord, that you care about all of our relationships um, and how we live our life. You want us to live life to the full. Um, Lord, thanks that, um, yeah, you can make that happen in us. Um, so, Lord, would, would we surrender our hearts to you? Would we surrender our um, thoughts and worldviews on dating and relationships that the culture has, has um, so <laughs> thoroughly um, put into us? Um, Lord, would you help break those, those bondages um, 
and the walls that we put up to you. Um, and would you enter into every part of our life? Would we invite you into those those parts of our life? Thank you so much, Lord. Amen.